Well, we are quickly coming to the end of yet another year, and what a year it has been. Internationally, we can see that tensions among nations are continuing to rise, but that's really not anything new. We also have seen the outbreak of the swine flu, and it's called H1N1, and, and that's really not anything new either. We've seen those kind of things happen before. But one thing that struck my interest as I look back upon this new year was that we also had on July 22nd the longest solar eclipse of the 21st century, something that we should treasure if we had an opportunity to have seen it. Also, don't forget, and ladies, you'll be especially interested in this note, Britain discovered that it had the oldest mom to date as she gave birth for the first time at age 66. Now, I know that some of you ladies want to try to beat that record next year, but I wouldn't suggest it. Nationally, we also started off great by swearing in a new president, the first African-American president in our history. But now we're looking and have been looking at some time also at very hard economic situations. But this also has been a year of miracles as well. Don't forget the U.S. flight, Airways flight 1549, the miracle on the Hudson. You remember that? Where 155 passengers were saved by the heroic efforts of Captain Chesley Sullenberg. Locally, all I can say is congratulations to all you Gamecock fans. However, I will use words that I've heard you say over the years, wait till next year. And how can we not look at this year and as a church and as a congregation celebrate all that God has done for us for these 200 years that He's allowed us to walk with Him, to know Him, to be in the midst of this city and to celebrate the joys of Jesus Christ. We have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? 200 years we have celebrated all of this year with many, many events. We started off by having special guest speakers, men and women alike, coming. We call it Sons of First, who came and shared with us because they had a connection here to First Baptist over the years. And they shared with us not only things of their past, but also things that they pray for us in the future, challenging us to continue on that road that Christ has so wonderfully set before us. We had also Lindsay Wiggins who established for us what was called Ministry Day. You might recall it was a special Saturday that she arranged where 200, we wanted at least 200 members of our church engaged with community ministries, going out into the public and just wanting to bless people in our community in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm so proud to say that we did not have just over 200, we had over 300 men and women, boys and girls that went out into the neighborhoods that worked around our city in the name of Jesus Christ and blessing others through different acts of ministry. Also, Rick Milney organized 200 Days of Prayer. And you may have been there. You may recall that day when we gathered together in Boyce Chapel. And it was filled with men and women, old and young alike, and on our knees and some in the benches and some in groups. And we prayed with great thanksgiving. We prayed and praised our God for the wonderful history that He has given us and for the blessing that we have of knowing that in the future He will revive us. He will strengthen us with spiritual vitality. And God will lead us to even greater days. And I believe that with all my heart. For you see, I don't think that we can, and you know that we can't afford to just rest on yesterday. We can't sit and look back and say, well, our job is done because there's still many more things to do. 
it's good to look back and it's good to see where we have come from and examine those things that God has done for us. But my friends, we must recognize that there is even a better and greater future ahead. Dr. Estep over the last several weeks has been in his messages encouraging us to recognize that with the condition that the world is in today, with the condition that our communities are in today and our nation, with the condition that our own very lives are in today, there is nothing short of revival that will bring us better days. Some here today have been praying for that revival here at First Baptist Church for a long time. And they themselves have gotten that spirit of revival, that spiritual vitality that so needs to spread and permeate between each one of us. And they're plugged in and they're involved doing all that they know necessary to bring glory and honor to our Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, it's sometimes hard to step out into those areas uh, that require faith, those areas that require us to believe even though we don't see exactly what's ahead. For many young children, they are very frightened of the dark, and sometimes that can be so of men and women as well, adult-wise. Such was the case of a young four-year-old who had spilled a drink on his carpet. Wanting to clean it up, he went to his mother and asked where the mop would be, and she said, it's right on the back porch, just go and get it. He ran to the back porch and he recognized that it was dark outside. It had turned evening and suddenly he stopped in his tracks. A little bit afraid and frightened, he went back to his mother and told her of the situation. And she said, son, I want you to be encouraged. No matter where you go, Jesus is there. He will always be there to help you and protect you. And all you need to do is keep that in mind. So a smile came on his face and he began to run back to the back door again, this time cracking and open just a little bit enough to stick his head out. And with a voice yelling, he said, Jesus, if you're out there, will you hand me the mop? <laughs> now, it's obvious the little boy knew his mother's words were true. He believed them with all of his heart. But because of the fear that welled up, he was afraid to step out. And because he was afraid to step out, the mess that he desired to clean up still remained. Today I want to encourage you that you and I today can take acts of steps that will bring about a faith that will honor our Lord Jesus Christ. Doubting Thomas was a man who had many fears himself. And you may recall in John chapter 20 where our passage is today, how he, he got the name Doubting Thomas. But let's look together, if we will, at John chapter 20, verses 19. We'll start there. As we will see Doubting Thomas come alive to an active faith, beginning at verse 19. So when it was evening on the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the imprint of the nails, and put my finger in the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors having been shut, 
and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here in your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Well, certainly this was a time when the disciples were fearful. It was a time when Jesus had died on the cross, but now he has risen from the grave. At the beginning, they had heard about his resurrection. Many of them had not seen him yet, but they believed with some hesitation. And then with enthusiasm, they believed. His disciples were some of the first to recognize that the resurrection had taken place. And whenever people, even though they may have doubts, even when they may have some fears, whenever they're confronted with the fact that Jesus has risen, my friends, transformation takes place. There's a transformation that takes place in our heart because as we see in this passage in verse 19, we are called to a walk of peace with Him. The very first words that Jesus expressed among His disciples were, Peace be with you. Now, this was a very traditional Hebrew tr uh, greeting for, for the most of the time, but this was a very unusual time and an uncommon transformational power that Jesus was telling them about. He could have rebuked them for the week previous when they had run away into different segments of the city. He could have rebuked them for their cowardice of the previous week, but He did not. And my friends, He will not with us either as we look unto Him and receive the peace that passes all understanding. In the book of Psalms, we read in Psalm 103, verse 10, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. And Paul writes in Romans 5, 8, and tells us that God demonstrated His love towards us, even yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We find in these two passages both grace and love. The grace of God that has been given unto us that we might know the forgiveness of sins that Paul talks about in Romans 5.1. As he says, we are justified by faith and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The work on the cross was a work of peace. It was a work of opportunity to come to know God in a way that no man had ever walked into His presence before. God gives us peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we look to Him in faith, there is a peace that comes. The wall is taken down. Sin is taken away. And we get to have a wonderful fellowship with God Almighty. But there's another kind of peace that we need to have too if we are to have spiritual vitality and revival. Not only do we need that peace with God, we need the peace of God. The peace that comes from the point where you and I are walking in obedience and faith. The, the peace that comes for we know from experience that Jesus is faithful and will always be there. So oftentimes we step out to do our own will rather than His. But my friends, that peace will only come when we walk a life of obedience and trust. So oftentimes we do not say the things that we should be saying. We do not do the things that we should be doing. We do not engage ourselves in the act of worship or service in the way that we should. 
We seek to do our own thing in our own way. And we wonder why when things seem to be going so well for a while and all of a sudden they crash around us, we wonder why our peace has been destroyed. We wonder where God is and why He hasn't showed up. Why has He allowed these things to happen? And I must ask the question, do you walk in that perfect peace that only comes through Jesus Christ? It's that spiritual vitality that we all desire and want to have. My friends, only through obedience to God will we experience it. Spiritual vitality can only be maintained as you and I walk in that path that God has sanctified for us all. A life of obedience. Therefore, He gives us a certain walk, a a certain purpose in life that we are to give ourselves to. Not only does God desire for us to walk in peace, He desires us to walk in that perfect purpose that He has given us. Verse 21, once again, Jesus says to the disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent Me, I also send you. Listen, saints, the purpose of our life is not wrapped up in in careers or cash or 401Ks, but the purpose of our life is to be wrapped up in knowing and serving and telling others about Jesus Christ. This is the purpose for our existence. You have been created for a more noble task. You and I have been created for a more valuable life. You and I have been given opportunity to, to, to render unto ourselves eternal dividends. We have a divine calling. And we've been commissioned to carry out sharing with others that great news of Jesus Christ. If we are to be a vibrant church in the 21st century, if we are to see revival come again, it will only be as you and I give of ourselves wholeheartedly to commit to conversion growth. You and I giving of ourselves to become fishers of men, going out and living a life of purpose, knowing that that no matter whether we're lawyers or doctors or plumbers or electricians or students or housewives, or even if you do not have a job at this current time, your life still has great value and worth, and you have a purpose that transcends all of those things. Your life and my life is not made up of what kind of career we live and what we do on a day-to-day basis, but our life has a, a higher purpose, a higher calling. Paul writes in Colossians 3.17, and he says to us, And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do all for the glory of God. This is our purpose. Why? Because that is the purpose that God has created us for in the manner in which you and I are to live. And anything less than that will not bring the joy. It will not bring the satisfaction. It will not bring the direction in life that you and I are really seeking after today. We want to know God and we want to walk in the power of His love. It must be then as we fulfill the purposes for which we were created. I can tell you for a fact that you will not find the greatest joy in your life by going off on a vacation. You will not find the greatest joy in your life by emerging yourself into a career that you thoroughly love. You will not find the greatest joy in your life by finding the mate for life and marrying and having a family. Although those things are great and they're good and we enjoy them, my friends, the greatest joy in life is walking in the purpose and the plan that God has for us to be His witnesses. And we fervently give of ourselves to that task and fulfill that purpose. There will be a joy beyond expression. 
Why is it that so many do not fulfill that purpose? It's not because of a lack. It's not that God has not already ordained it. It's not that God has not provided that pathway for us to follow in. But we see also in the same passage in verse 22 that God gives us the power or enablement to do it. Look at with me again at verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. You see, just as at the first creation when God created Adam and breathed into his nostrils that breath of life, so too in this situation Jesus breathed upon the apostles a newness of life, a freshness of life that only came about by the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And each and every one of us here today that claim the name of Christ as our Savior have that wonderful privilege of the indwelling presence of God's Spirit within us giving us an enablement and a power that goes beyond our own human means. His crucifixion was one that allowed us to know Him in a more perfect sense. His crucifixion brought us into a, a place of right standing before God. His crucifixion and risen life gave us an opportunity to receive an indwelling of His Spirit. Just before His death, Jesus told His disciples that He would send another Helper, that He would send the Spirit of truth not only to be with them, but to be in them all the days of their life. Why did He do that? That we might have an intimacy with God. That we might have a power and an ability to go beyond what you and I are humanly capable of doing. You see, this purpose that God has given unto us is not humanly possible. To evangelize a God-hating, Christ-rejecting world of unregenerated people, dead in their trespasses and sins and organized into a satanically energized system and society is humanly impossible. Therefore, God gives us a greater enablement. God gives us a greater power, the very power and presence of the Spirit of God dwelling within us. The Lord is not weak. We are weak, but He is strong. Do you remember the words of John as he writes in his first letter? In 1 John, he says in chapter 4, Greater is He that is in you. Greater is He that is in you than He is of the world. My friends, you and I have an enablement, a God-enabling ability to go forth with power over sin, to resist temptations, to go forth in the world and share our testimony knowing that it has power because the Word of God is there and the Spirit of God is there. And through it, He will bring newness of life to those in who we touch and who we share these wonderful news with. The only way for any of us to fulfill this purpose is to yield our life completely to the guidance of His Spirit, knowing that He will enable us, for He is able Himself to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Do you believe that today? May I hear an amen? I would like for it to get a little more lively in this place. We're talking about the power of God. We're talking about the presence of God. We're talking about the person of God in our lives, working in us and through us, transforming us to be the witnesses that He's called us to be. We're talking about a joy that wells up with inside that no other thing on earth can ever make happen except for the fact that we are following Him and know Him. And my friends, 
Make no mistake about it. It will only happen by Him. For us to fulfill this purpose, for us to truly have revival, for us truly to have a spiritual vitality that goes beyond anything that we've ever imagined before, cannot happen through self-human effort. It's impossible. And therefore, the psalmist writes in 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. How often we try to build our own kingdoms. How often we try to give self-effort and energy to create this and to make that happen and to, and to manipulate and try to force others to, to do our bidding. And we think that, well, we know what's best and, and we go forward trying to do all these good things. But my friends, we need to go beyond good and become great only through the power and the presence and the obedience that we give unto Almighty God. God is able. We are not. And so when we come humbly before Him, when we reach up with all of our heart and soul and say, Lord, fill me with Your presence. Energize this body. Energize this mind. Help me to be the witness that You have created me to be. Good things will not only happen, but great things will happen. And so the life well lived, the life that will honor God and glorify God, the life that is filled with spiritual vitality is a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit of God and is led by the Spirit of God in each and every act that we commit. James A. Stewart once wrote, Revival is the people of God living in the power of an ungrieved and unquenched spirit. Revival, let me read that one more time. Revival is the people of God living in the power of an ungrieved and unquenched spirit. And when you and I fall to the floor, when you and I yield our heart, and we say, Lord, not my will be done, but thine, we will see revival. We will see spiritual vitality. When we allow the Spirit of God to move and to act as He wills, we will not grieve Him any longer. We will not quench that fire. And we will see great and mighty things take place. That life, that vitality, is available to each and every one of us here today. The Scripture tells us that Thomas was asked to take a step of faith, but he was unbelieving. He said, I won't believe unless I see those nail prints in His hand. I I will not believe unless I touch the the holes that were made by those nails that were driven down deep there and I touch His side where the spear went into Him. I will not believe. He had doubts and fears. And many of us do also even today. But the question that comes to my mind as I read this passage and as we are called to walk in this power uh, and we walk in this purpose in life and we're asked to, to walk in this faith that God wells up within us, the question that I, that I come to as I look at this passage is, where was Thomas on that first Sunday morning? Where was he? Why wasn't he there? He had missed a whole week of opportunity of being filled with the Spirit of God and knowing the great joy of God and walking in that power that only God can provide for His life. And because of that lack, He was filled with doubts and fears. 
The same thing might be true for many of us. We think not much of missing a Sunday here and Sunday there, but you know those times and opportunities that we miss suddenly can become habits. But it's only as the people of God come together in worship and we come together to know that wonderful fellowship that only the Spirit of God can create in our midst and we begin to serve one another and love one another and and congregate among one another as the body of Christ should, that we recognize the power and the presence of God like at no other times. If you think that you have not missed anything by being here on Sunday or not being engaged with us on Wednesday night in prayer, I've got to tell you something. You are. Thomas had missed out on seeing the Lord on that first Sunday. He should have been there. But you know what I find also so wonderful about God asking us to walk in faith? He's also a very patient God. He's also a very perfect God. For again, it says, and look with me if you will on on verse 26 of this same chapter again. He says in verse 26, And after eight days the disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, and the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst. And He said to them once again, Peace be with you. You see, Thomas was there this time. Thomas was there. And he understood that the Lord indeed had risen. He understood that the Lord indeed had died for His sins and raised from the grave and was there to offer newness of life. And therefore, we're told that we can have peace with God on a continual basis. You may have missed last week. You may have missed last year. You may have missed out on knowing Jesus Christ all of your life. My friends, He stands at the door today in the room with us now and He says, I'm here. I am here. See the nail-scarred hands. Touch the hole in my side. I have risen. And so because of that, we should take encouragement and believe. Look at the words that he shares with Thomas. As Thomas falls to the ground and says, My Lord and my God. You see, he knew when he saw the Lord Jesus that he had missed out. He knew that it was real. He knew that it was true. And instantly he had faith to believe. And look at what the Lord says. Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. Christian, I want to tell you, we may not see the physical presence of the Lord Jesus Christ here today, but His Spirit dwells in each one that know Him by name. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I want to tell you today that Christ is here in our midst. He's here with me. He's here with this choir. He's here with those believers that are in this congregation today. And my friends, if you want to experience the love and forgiveness and the peace that passes all understanding, start a new year with spiritual vitality and hope. It is only when you fall like Thomas did and say, My Lord and my God and the blessings will flow. Dwight Bain wrote this poem. One man can awaken another and then awaken his next door brother. And the three awake can awaken the town by turning the whole place upside down. And the many awake can make such a fuss that they finally awake the rest of us. One man with dawn in his eyes multiplies. My friends, I want to declare to you today 
There's a dawn arising. There's a new year that is coming. There is opportunities that abound for you and I to know Christ in a deeper, more fervent way than we've ever known Him before. But it will take you and I believing His promises. Believing that He is here with us. Believing that He has a greater purpose for us to walk in. Believing that He has given us power and ability to do far beyond we've ever thought and dreamed. But my friends, it also takes a life and a walk of faith. Will you believe? Will you trust? Will you proclaim the name of Jesus in this new year ahead and see revival and experience spiritual vitality? Well, it's before us to make that choice, isn't it? Will you believe? Thomas says, I I will not believe unless I touch, unless I feel Jesus has touched some of your hearts today. Jesus has encouraged some of your hearts today. Jesus is making himself known today. Will you open the door and let him come in? Father, as we bow in this hour, how we praise you, how we thank you for the faithfulness that you have demonstrated to us. We give you praise, Almighty God, that indeed through Christ you have provided everything we need for life and godliness. And today as we come to this conclusion of a blessed year, we look forward with great anticipation to revival, to a spiritual vitality that only you can make happen. May we yield our hearts to you, Father. May we give all that we are to walk in that path that you have so set before us and honor you in such a way that no one can deny your presence. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a few moments, we'll have an invitation. Perhaps you're here for the first time today and you're looking for a church home. You're not going to find any better place than First Baptist Church. I especially want to invite you, if you do not know Christ, if you've never received Him as your Lord and Savior, today believe in your heart and receive. He'll fill your life with such joy. He'll guide you. He'll he'll deliver you. And Christian, let's fall forward making New Year's resolutions that say, Lord, you're all that matters. I lay my life before you. As God so directs you, as the Spirit of God moves within your heart, we'll be here to greet you. Let's stand together well as we sing. And may God lead you through His Spirit as you come.